Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hi, I'm Sandy Adamitis. Hi, I'm Terry Sampson. Terry. Oh. It's spooky season. So I thought we would start off spooky season with a scary story about Poltergeist. Okay. Poltergeist is a beloved horror film, and it was a huge and critical commercial success in its time. It's created a franchise, Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, Poltergeist 3, and a 2015 remake. It's also rumored to be cursed. Dun, dun, dun. Cursed because of certain props used during a pivotal scene, now blamed for three lives lost in brutal and devastating ways. Poltergeist, people say in Hollywood, just might be the most cursed film in Hollywood history. Let's talk a little bit about the movie. You've seen Poltergeist, right? I have. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really has held up over the years. Yeah, good and scary. Yeah. It was released on June 4th, 1982 by MGM, and it was a supernatural horror film, like I said. It was written by Steven Spielberg, Michael Grayus, and Mark Victor. The story was by Steven Spielberg and directed by Toby Hooper. It was also produced by Spielberg and Frank Marshall. Steven wanted to direct Poltergeist, but he was actually directing E.T. at the time, and contractually, he wasn't allowed to direct two movies at the same time. I'd like to think he was just afraid to direct it. (laughs) That's what I'm going with. Too scared? He's too scared. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the movie, but since since it's been around for a long time, and usually I wouldn't mind doing spoiler alerts, but <laughs> go, you know, too? yes, rent it. <laughs> you got to see it. It is good. Poltergeist revolves around the Freelings, an average middle class family that has recently moved into a planned yet cozy community in Custa Verde, California. Steve, the dad, played by Craig T. Nelson, is a real estate developer. Diane is the stay-at-home mom. She was played by Joe Beth Williams. And they have three adorable kids. Teenage Dana, played by Dominique Dunn. Eight-year-old Robbie, played by Oliver Robbins. And five-year-old Carol Ann, played by actress Heather O'Rourke. Soon after settling in, the family begins to... Bizarre events begin to occur. And Carol Ann starts having conversations with unknown entities by talking to the TV static as if someone is talking back to her. That's the part you like, right? Yeah. The TV static talking. Yeah, it's I hear really voice. creepy. I hear voices too, but it's more like this kind of voice. <laughs> so I don't know if it's a voice. Did you know you have a cat? (laughs) 
That is a cat. That's more of a cat than static? Yes. Okay, I'll work on it. Some of the bizarre things, and tell me if you remember this, that were happening kind of in the beginning. Glass of milk shatters. And I'll bet you remember this one. The kitchen chairs stacking themselves in odd positions. Yeah. That's, that- just, that's just helpful, really. <laughs> It is scary. Scary and helpful. helpful. I agree. Initially, the ghosts, they were playful and friendly. And so the family just continues on with their lives. During a really bad thunderstorm, a large limb tree crashes through the kids' bedroom windows and grabs Robbie. (laughs) He's he's the middle kid. (laughs) I don't know if they miss him. If they just watered their plants. Yeah. Uh, True. While the family rushes outside to rescue Robbie, the ghosts use this distraction and Carol Ann is sucked into a portal inside her bedroom closet. That is bad. After saving Robbie, the family, you know, they're frantically searching for Carol Ann, only for her voice to call out from the TV. Desperate, Steve and Diane turn to a parapsychologist for help. When that doesn't work, a medium is brought in called Tanja Barron, played by actress and activist Zelda Rubenstein. She's called in, and I won't spoil the ending. As I mentioned at the top, the poltergeist curse started because of the props used in a certain major scene while being shot. Terry, any guesses what that could have been? No. Okay. Spielberg, Marshall, and Hooper supposedly decided to use real skeletons during one of the most famous scenes where Joe Beth Williams' character, Diane, falls into the family pool filled with skeletons. You. Supposedly, this was kept on the download and the cast and crew had no idea. While appearing on TV Land's TV Myths and Legends, Joe Beth Williams said, I assumed they were prop skeletons made out of plastic or rubber. I found out, as the crew did, they were using real skeletons because it was far too expensive to make skeletons <laughs> out of rubber. They did it because it was cheaper? I, I... That's, that's, surpri- that's surprising mm-hmm. because it's super creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. The Curse. Months after the release of Poltergeist in June of 1982, that November, 22-year-old Dominique Dunn, who played the oldest daughter, Dana, was strangled at the end of her driveway by her ex-boyfriend in West Hollywood, California. The piece-of-garbage ex-boyfriend, who I will not name, was a sous chef at Mont Maison. Which no. was a big place for all the big time people to eat. Yeah, all the power players. They're all there. Were I there. I was never there, but that <laughs> kind of explains me, that, me doesn't either. it? Mm-hmm. After eight days of deliberation, <laughs> buckle up, Terry. <laughs> okay. The jury acquitted the piece of garbage ex boyfriend of second degree murder, but found him guilty of a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter. Dunn's family was outraged by the verdict, calling it an injustice. 
piece of garbage ex-boyfriend was sentenced to six years in prison for manslaughter, which was the maximum sentence he could have received with an additional six months for the assault charge. Even worse, he was released after serving four years. Angry, I I have to move on. It just makes me so angry. I, and yeah. I want to I want us to get to know her a little bit. Mm. Dominique was a California girl through and through. Her mom Ellen was a ranching heiress and her dad Dominique Dunn was the famous writer, producer and actor. She was also the niece of the married novelists and screenwriters John Gregory Dunn and Joan Didion. Mm. Who we just lost this year, Joan Didion. Her godparent was Maria Cooper, daughter of actor Gary Cooper. Wow. Her brother's the actor Griffin Dunn. She's a real Hollywood kid that had a brilliant career ahead of her. Very sad. Heather O'Rourke. She played Carol Ann, and she said the famous line... They're here. Yeah. Was only 12 when she died of cardiac arrest from septic shock caused by a misdiagnosed intestinal issue mm-hmm. on February 12, 1988. Yeah. I, that's just so sad. I don't even know what to yeah. add to that. I think there should be a rule that you can't die until you're at least 38. Yeah. That's my feeling. Good rule. Mm -hmm. Lou Perryman played the small role of Pugsley in the original film. He was 67 years old when a recently released convict killed him in his own home with, wait for it, an axe. Come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Lou... Did he know this guy? No. It later turned out, after the man who killed him turned himself in, said he attacked Lou because he needed a car and some random things in his home. It was just random. It doesn't make any sense. Part of the curse. Yeah. Oliver Robbins, who was the male child of the family, was reportedly attacked on set by a mechanical clown. In the scene where he was supposedly struggling with the creepy clown, it malfunctioned and choked him. Because the scene was meant to show that the little boy was struggling, many cast members thought he was acting. And, and it wasn't till he turned blue that they rushed onto the stage and stopped it. This happened in the second film, Terry, oh. but the curse did kind of continue on. There was an actor by the name of Will Sampson. No relation. No relation. Him, no. He played the Native American shaman, and he did a exorcism on the set to clear the air for using those props on the set. I bet you it was a cleansing ceremony. I don't think uh, it was an ex- exorcist. This is a literal... They brought this guy in to literally... It wasn't part of the film? He came no, in to- he was an actor in the film, okay. <laughs> and he volunteered to do this ceremony to clear the set uh-huh. because bad things were happening because they used real skeletons as props. All right, for my writer friends and actor friends out there, when you're doing a horror film, 
do not volunteer for anything extra. Mm, there you go. It's a, that's, yeah. it's a good rule in life. That's a good rule. Yeah. After the exorcism, which I think was a ceremony, members of the cast claimed to feel better. Joe Beth Williams recalls an odd nervous feeling on set that went away after Samson performed the ceremony. Yay, Samson. Yeah. And she said that when she got home from shooting on set all day, Mm -hmm. the picture frames in her house were always tilted. (laughs) She'd straighten them next day, tilt it again. Yeah, I'd like to apologize for that. I thought it was going to be funny. (laughs) Sorry. I shouldn't have done that. So bad. James Kahn, not the actor, who wrote the novelization of Poltergeist, said that right after he was writing the line, lightning strike the sky, a freak lightning bolt struck his building. (laughs) The lights went out and video games in his house (laughs) turned on and started to play. That is wild. (laughs) What? Yeah. The game started playing on their own? hmm Really? Asteroids? Now, the poltergeist curse is a tragic one. And as I just mentioned, it also followed the franchise. On the set of the 2015 remake, the house that they were filming in, apparently the director, James Keenan, chose the location because it was haunted. It, the legend had it in the town that it was haunted. So he was just like... Great, that's where we're shooting. And he went looking for a curse and he found it. The film was plagued by strange equipment failures and there was one plot of land. The director says that whenever they were filming there, the lights would go off. And he said, again, when he would go home at night, he believed his house that he was renting for the shoot was also haunted because he would see a female figure in a black dress. That's not expected. Mm-mm. Okay. No. He did a Reddit AMA, Ask Me Anything, and he said, I also used a lot of aerial drone photography in the film, and the drone pilots were never able to lock in the GPS signal in this field. We would have to move 10 feet away to launch the craft. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Terry. Yes. Would it be great if we could talk to someone who was there? That would be amazing. I, that could never happen, though. You think? I don't think it could happen. Well. Because there's a curse involved. It's true. <laughs> In fact, there is a curse involved. We have had so many technical difficulties recording this podcast. So I am actually comfortable in saying that this <laughs> podcast about the po- po- about the Poltergeist podcast is cursed. Is cursed, Yes. Yeah. Let's bring on a special guest. Writer, actor, Michael McManus, Yay. who played Ben Tuthill, the next door neighbor to the Freelings, who doesn't notice anything. All right. Come on. Michael McManus, thank you so much for joining us on the Writer's Hangout. I wouldn't miss it. I'd like to ask you some questions about Poltergeist. Is that okay? Yes, I love that movie. Scared the crap out of me. (laughs) One of the best horror movies, and I think it still stands up to this day. I do, too. It's a a pretty good one, yeah. I love it. Um, it, Did you enjoy shooting Poltergeist? 
Yeah, we had a great time. It was a, it was a nice, at least for me, it was a good set to work on. As a character actor, you're not always around a lot for these things. You know, you do a day here and a couple of days there, but I was around quite a bit for that particular movie. So I got to hang out with, I knew, I knew a few of the people, Craig Nelson and I were friends and, you know, so that was, that was a good, good thing, but it was, yeah, it was very nice. We shot a lot of it in Simi Valley. Yeah, that's where the original house is, right? The front of it or the... Or, no, it's or, still there. I, yeah, I think as far as I know, it's still there. And then they reconstructed the whole house and the yard and everything at MGM, you know, raised up 20 feet in the air. So it was ground level. And so the pool, the empty pool could be there. Wow. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. How fun to be on that set. It was good, yeah. Now your scene with Quincy <clears throat> Nelson and Joe Beth Williams, was that on set or night? Did you have to shoot nights for that? Oh yeah. Mostly nights. Yeah, it uh, seemed like you were outside. Yeah. We shot some of the stuff in Simi Valley and but the thing where she's in the pool was on the set at MGM. Like I say, it was amazing. It was their whole backyard was built on a soundstage and the pool was on the soundstage. So you had to climb, you know, up some ladders to get to the ground level. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. And the one thing I remember, and I think she's talked about it, Joe Beth has talked about it, was that, you know, it's, it was this pool full of water and all of these electrical lights and wires and stuff all over the place. So she was a little gun shy about <laughs> climbing into the water with that. And I think Steven Spielberg said, Basically, well, I'll if I'll go in if you will. So he he went in the water with her. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's one of the best ways mm -hmm. to, as you know, as an actor, if the behind the scenes people get in the water, mm -hmm. you feel better. I was fortunate enough to work with Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, on the district, Craig T. Nelson was so nice to me. I liked him, but he can be tough. Is he tough on other actors or, you know, tough in the sense of he wants the best out of the scene, not being a jerk? Oh, is was he tough to work with? Even though you um, knew him? No, not on that on that movie. No, he was he was great. I had known him from some other television stuff that we had done and we had mutual friends. No, he was he was fine. I think he had a good time in that movie because he got yeah. to improvise a little bit. But I know when he was doing coach, he would direct once in a while and he, he could be a little tough on, on some of the people. I know that. Yeah, I, he was you know, tough on my boss and my boss has stories, but I have nothing but good fond memories. Of oh, I like I like him. He was great. Hey Michael, Terry yes. Sampson. Now, there's been a lot said about Poltergeist and the paranormal. I'm always curious, did you guys have a weird vibe going on while you shot it? Or was were you guys distanced from it or anything weird happened? Or was it just a shoot? For me personally, I, I didn't sense anything. I mean, you know, you were around, you were around a lot of skeletons. And so it, I never sensed anything. I You know, I've read things other people have said that they've thought there was a weird vibe, but I didn't personally. It was a pretty happy set. We shot a lot at night and, you know, the, the people that lived, actually lived in the neighborhood would come by and hang out and have coffee and stuff. So it was a very convivial sort of group, I thought, but no. Actual regular human beings were allowed to go to Crafty? Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the <sighs> you know, they'd, they'd hang around. They lived down the street. Nice set. That is a nice set. I remember my girlfriend's mother was in town visiting and she wanted to go to the movie set. So they drove out to Simi Valley and my girlfriend, I, she, my current wife, you know her, warned her that usually you go to a movie set and it's very boring. It's a lot of sitting around and stuff. 
And it just so happened that the night she was there, all hell broke loose. We were, there was like skeletons shooting out of the ground and it was just <laughs> a lot of explosives and craziness. It was a, a lot of special effects going on. So she was, her mother was scratching her head and says, I don't know why you said that. It was, she, she never went to another was, shoot, right? I don't know that she ever did, but she got oh, coffee, and, coffee and donuts and a few skeletons out of the deal. So. Oh, I'd go for the donuts. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, your amazing, significant other is yes. Nancy Steen, showrunner, writer, executive producer, extraordinaire. Yes, and a fine woman on her own right. And a fine human being. <laughs> yes. Were there any rumors on set? I know maybe you didn't experience anything, but was Robbie actually choked by the mechanical puppet? Did that did some version of that really happen? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember that. I I know he had to go up in that tree, and that was a little, you know, uh, hair raising. I think for him, the tree that grabbed him and pulled him out of the house. I think that was a little spooky for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were little kids. I mean, that was a tough movie. I think for little kids to do. Um, Absolutely. I remember one nice thing. Can I have a nice thing? <laughs> <laughs> During spooky month of October. Absolutely. Yeah, we were we were at MGM again shooting, and the kids were there, and my daughter Molly was visiting, and she was you know young. She was pretty young too. She was like ten or something, and she was visiting on the set. And in some downtime, I kind of walked. I saw a gaggle of the kids sitting around Steven Spielberg, and I went over to listen. And he was because he was doing ET at the time. He was telling them the E.T. story. He was sitting there with these kids, all the, the, the three kids in the show and my daughter. And wow, that's so Telling cool. them this story. Yes, she still remembers that. And I thought that was neat. Before the movie even came out, they knew they got to hear the story. He might have been trying it out on them. I don't know. <laughs> it was very sweet. If I was Molly, I would write a children's book on that. That's really, <laughs> that's really special. That's Pretty yeah, legendary. Was, they were real skeletons. People did ask yes, that. Yes, that's what I yeah. was going to ask you. Were they real skeletons? That's what I was told. I, I don't know that all of them were. Probably not. There were probably some, you know, ones that were rigged to do special things. But there were, and they were kind of, you know, piled around on the yard in Simi Valley. And I did talk to some some guys, some crew guys, and they 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 said the story I got was they were from India. They were, I don't know where they got them, how they got them, why they got them, but they were. I think everyone were, wants to know if they were SAG. They were, no, they, I think Focus. they were, this is before the extras could be in SAG. So, so I think they were, they were extras. They were extra skeletons. They had extra bones. <laughs> so yeah, I guess they were. Guy told, prop master told you maybe the ones that were on the lawn were from India. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if it was a prop master, but it was somebody who really knew things, like the craft service guy or somebody who knew yeah. things. This is, by the way, the 40th anniversary of the movie this year. Wow. Can you believe that? No. We're all, people say, did people die from the, from the movie? I said, of course. We're all like in our 70s now. <laughs> <laughs> So for our, for the writers out there and our listeners, we can say that, yeah, some of the skeletons were probably real. That's what I was told on the set. And at the time, nobody was thinking, oh, we're using, oh, wait, I heard that you did an exorcism on set. 
because the set wanted to get rid of the evil spirits for using skeletons. Did that happen? Not while I was around. I don't, I don't know. Would you have gone to the, you know, I bet you it wasn't an exorcism. Maybe it was a a ceremony. Maybe they saged. Yeah. It might've been some sort of cleansing thing. I don't know. Yeah. People were taking it fairly seriously. Yes, absolutely. I don't know if you remember this, but years ago, you and I ended up at the same luncheon. Unfortunately, I can't remember what it was for, but I remember the lovely Zelda Rubenstein was there, Mm -hmm. and I watched as you and she spoke. I could tell how much you liked and respected her. Am I right about that? Are you a Zelda fan who we lost in 2010? Oh, Oh, yeah. She was a pistol. She was really something. I liked her a lot. She ended up playing these the same sort of parts and, you know, little person parts, of course. And but but she was a real pistol and she was very sexy, as I recall it. And I don't know if she was kidding around. She was always hitting on everybody. She was just yeah, she was just a lot of fun. She just had a great sense of humor and she, she was just a pistol. She had a lot of energy. I do not know how I've been going through life not knowing that. Yeah, I liked her. I didn't know her all that well. But yeah, I I think she'd come to, I used to do an improvisational show in Hollywood for a number of years. And and I remember she was was sort of a fan. She would come to our show. Oh, is that improv show funny you should ask? It is. It was. Yes. It was. And it's a legendary funny you should ask. And if there, if any of our, we really encourage improvisation here for writers. And if anyone wants to know about improvisation in LA, look up Funny You Should Ask. You guys were the best. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Michael, I hear your phone ringing. No, no, no. Just I forgot, <laughs> just forgot to turn it off. Terry and I, we were so excited about the f- thought of getting to talk to you. So thank you so much for doing this. I really well, appreciate having it. having me. It's really, we're yeah, going to ask you back fun. at the next scary moment. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. Thank you very much, Michael. All right. Take care. Big hug to Happy your Halloween. amazing son, Lake, and Nancy. I will. Thank you. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, Michael. Bye. That's a wrap for the Writer's Hangout. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and thrive. Till we get to hang out again, keep writing. The world needs your stories. The Writer's Hangout is sponsored by the Page International Screenwriting Awards. Executive producer, Kristen O'Vern. Producers, Terry Sampson and Sandy Adamitis. Music, by Ethan Stoller.